WNYC Studios is supported by Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial. When the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com. Radio Lab is supported by the John Templeton Foundation, funding research and catalyzing conversations that inspire people with awe and wonder. Learn about the researchers making the latest discoveries in the science of well-being, complexity, forgiveness, and free will at templeton.org slash podcast. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Just a word of warning, uh, this podcast contains a couple moments of strong language and some discussion of some products which are not suitable for kids. Just want to let you know. Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> you're listening, listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab. Shorts! <laughs> From WNYC. And NPR. Okay, let me make sure that's recording. You're going to tell me something? I think I'm going to tell you about um, about diapers. Okay. So we order from diapers.com all the time, you know, because we have these kids. Is that of what it's actually called? Of course they'd be called diapers.com. You guys don't know diapers.com? That's the actual name of the website? My God, it's like such a part of our lives. I just figure it would be like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like all the crap that you don't want to have to leave the house to get. You know, mm-hmm. like paper towels. Okay. Oh God, I have to go down the street to get paper towels. Well, you, you can get it from diapers.com. So we well, order. How would you get like? How would you get paper towels delivered promptly? I tell you, this is exactly what this is exactly the crux of the story. It's a simple story, and that we would order these giant boxes of shit from diapers.com, and they would appear second day, three days later, and then one day Carla orders it, and it appears the same day. The same day. Yeah. And now every time that we click submit on this thing, it shows up like three hours later, a huge box of stuff. You must be only blocks from the worldwide headquarters of diapers.com Even and ties and thumbtacks. I was like, if someone asked me to pick up that stuff at the corner deli, it would take me all day. And somehow it shows up like just in a few hours. And I, and I, I just, I began to be like, what the hell happens after you hit submit? It's like, magic. It's so wonderful. And that's the future. Damn it. So what ended up happening is I, I was thinking about this in a sort of passive way. And that's thing, as it often happens, things converge. And then I read this article by this woman that Pat ended up interviewing. Tell me who you are and what you do. My name is Mac McClelland. I'm a lady reporter. She's a pretty badass one. She's done reporting from war zones and natural disasters all over the world. And about two years ago, she wrote an article for Mother Jones magazine where she actually got herself hired at one of these internet retailer warehouses. And they're called third-party logistics contractors, or 3PLs. That's what they call them in the, in the biz. And they basically handle all the goods that you order off the internet. So when you order something off the internet, you're actually probably dealing with a company that's not the company you think you're dealing with. And maybe you think there's robots that just make these items show up at your house within a few hours of you ordering them. But as Mac would come to find out... That's not how it works. Not even close. And we'll start at the beginning. When you're sitting on your couch and you hit submit, your order bounces off some servers and ultimately gets funneled to a warehouse. Just a giant warehouse. If we were rounding, we would say it was a million square feet. 
So what is a million square feet? Like, how many football fields could I fit in there? Or That would be a lot. About 17. So just imagine, like, a huge airplane hangar, 17 football fields long, filled with people. There's thousands of us. And all I can put us regionally is west of the Mississippi, because we can't say, for legal reasons, where we were. Left half of the United States. Yes. I was hired as a picker. And pickers' jobs are basically to run around this cavernous warehouse and find the crap that you ordered off the internet. So basically, your day is you arrive at the warehouse, you put all your stuff in the lunchroom because you can't take anything except for the clothes on your backs into the warehouse. As soon as they walk in, all the pickers are handed little computers. We get our little scanners. You have a handheld scanner. And it's on the little screens of those scanners that the orders you make sitting on your couch actually appear. It pops up like, go to this section, this region, this shelf, this unit, find a Malibu Barbie. Go. And it tells you how many seconds that you have to get there. Like 15 seconds. 14, 13, 12. And 11, it counts down. 10. It so counts the minute down? The item like it's a little. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it like pops up 15 seconds, 14, like, 13, boop, 12. Boop, boop. Did that scanner right. that you used make sounds? I'm almost positive it did. Can you imitate it? <laughs> like what? Beep. 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 It's like that. In any case, you're standing in the middle of 17 football fields. You've got 15 seconds to find the region that has the shelf, that has the bin, that has the Barbie. And then scan it. Beep. Put it in a little plastic tote. And then the plastic totes get set on conveyor belts. And they get carried away into some other magical area where people put it in boxes and send it to your house. And as soon as she's done that, the next item will immediately pop up and it'll say, go to this section, this region, this unit, find a dildo, let's say. Because there are lots and lots and lots and lots of people ordering dildos on the internet, apparently. And so you have 40 seconds, 39, 38, to make it to the bin with the dildos in it. Which could be a football field away. You go as fast as you can. Find the dildo. Scan your dildo. Beep. Put it in the tote. Next item pops up. Find an olive oil mister. Do you remember specific names of, of things? There were a lot of vitamins. Beep. Male enhancement pills. Beep. Lots of iPad things. Really? Oh my god. There's so many things that you can put on and around an iPad. Like an iPad cover. Beep. Carrying cases. Beep. Protective cases, Beep. stand that you could put your iPad on so it worked like a computer screen, Beep. a handheld like iPad glove thing. Beep. Dildos and iPad accessories are like the most popular items that I picked for sure. Did you ever find a dildo that goes around an iPhone? <laughs> that would be like the, no. the perfect internet. Thing. I'm sure it's in there, though. You know, you don't really have time to even look at what you're doing. There's just like a second where your brain is like, why does this product exist? Why does this product exist? That's sort of like a whisper all the time in the background, but for the most part, it's kind of a blur. Video games, Beep. baby food, Beep. diapers, Beep. paper towels. Beep. Who is ordering paper towels yeah. on the internet? Like, who's the person who's doing this? Um... <laughs> And I was hired as a picker because of my youth and my fitness, uh -huh. which is to say that I'm not in my 70s. Because there were a lot of people in the place who were in their 60s, in their 70s. And really? Their... That, that old? Did... Oh, yeah. This is like old white ladies. Max says when she talks to people about this, they always assume the warehouse is full of like young Mexican people. But in fact, she says where she worked, it was mostly white people. 
and they're primarily older than her. I was 32, at the, 31 at the time. Wow. That's why they gave me a job where you run around a lot. Actually, on one of the consent forms she had to sign before she was hired. It said that we were going to walk 12 miles a day. But going into it, I was like, yes, pick her. I was actually really <laughs> excited. You know, you get some exercise right now. My job, if I'm not out, like, actively reporting, is to sit on my ass, right? And right. type and stuff. So I was like, score. Like, you know, yeah. I'm going to do a good job. And I didn't think it was going to be my favorite thing in the world, but I thought it would be interesting and challenging and I would do a good job. And I was so wrong about all of those things. First of all, she says in this particular warehouse, and again, we can't say which one it is, nothing was organized the way you'd expect it to be. Like if you're looking for a dildo, it would just be in some random box. This is like a bin full of crap thrown in with a bunch of other things. You know, so there's a bunch of batteries in there and an iPad anti-glare cover and then there's 10 CD, you know, whatever. Products seem haphazardly stored next to each other. And that's by design, according to this guy, Brad Stone. I'm the author of The Everything Store. Which is a book that looks specifically at Amazon. There's actually some very sophisticated software that is governing Amazon fulfillment centers. What happens is, say the warehouse gets a shipment of 17 dildos in. Instead of taking those dildos to, like, the dildo section, the computer will figure out how much shelf space or bin space those dildos need and where in the warehouse those bins are. So it might say, let me put four dildos over here and three over there. The, the invisible hand that orchestrates uh, the symphony that is Amazon's fulfillment center is called the mechanical sensei. The mechanical sensei. And it not only tracks, you know, where to put items, it tracks what the most efficient routes are for the pickers to go through these shelves in the shortest amount of time. Like, imagine you sit down and order 14 products at one time. What the computer does is it will farm that order out to 14 different pickers in different parts of the warehouse. And then it will coordinate the timing so that each picker is grabbing the item, putting it on a conveyor belt in a certain order so that all the products arrive to the same box at the same moment. It'll make sure that box is just big enough, but not too big. It figures out when to get those boxes on trucks and when those trucks should leave. And eventually, if you believe Jeff Bezos, the sensei will send out fleets of tiny helicopter drones that will deliver your packages to your doorstep at lightning speed, no humans involved. That's not good. That's not really happening. No, it's crazy town. So yeah, for the moment, most of the time saving they're going to get is from making the human pickers pick faster. Because if you think about it, once the packages get on trucks... The truckers are still going to have to follow the speed limit. But there's no OSHA laws about how fast you can make people work inside the warehouse. And the way you make those people fast, at least in the warehouse Mac worked at, is by treating them like drones. For example, you're digging through the bin and you see lots of other stuff, but not the thing that you're looking for. So these scanners assume you're an idiot and you just aren't seeing it. Like, you can't swear to the scanner that it's really not there. So you have to scan every item in the bin to prove that it's not there. Really? So this, yeah, the one time this happened to me, I mean, it happened to me a bunch of times, but one of the times it was like 30 individually wrapped batteries in this bin. And so I have to scan every single one. Beep. 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 before my scanner will let me go on. But I'm not given extra time to do that. And my, you know, my scanner the whole time is like... Three, two, one, zero. Now one, it's counting the seconds that two, you're late. Three, 
four. Does it go five. into the red or something? Six. Yeah. So you know exactly how late you are, and you're trying to scan your stupid olive oil mister. Max says within the first few hours of her first shift, a supervisor with a clipboard came up to her and said, You're only making... 48% of your goal because you're supposed to be picking something like 170 items per hour. 170 things an hour? Yes. Wow. It was the first time in my life because I'm an overachieving nerd from the Midwest. I went to Catholic school, you know. First yeah. time in my life, somebody came up to me and was like, you're doing a really bad job. Yeah. You're- I was like, me? By third day, she says, she's doing a little better. Yeah, it was like 50%. of my goal, I asked my supervisor at one point, you know, can I pee just like in the middle of the day? And he was like, of course, this isn't China, but it's going to hurt your numbers. So she thought, screw it. You know what? I'm not going to pee. I'm going to hold it. Till lunch. The minimum shift is 10 and a half hours. And in that 10 and a half hours, you have 29 minutes and 59 seconds for lunch. They tell if you that, 30 not, minutes, not 30 minutes? They told us that. If it's 30 minutes and one second, you get docked points. And if you get docked enough points, you get fired. Especially if you're new. They told me when I got hired at the temporary staffing agency, they had videos about it. They had people walking around telling you, you cannot miss any time or be one minute late at any point during your first week of orientation. And so... To sort of illustrate this point... She says that during her orientation... The lady leading our training says, you know, take Brian. She points to a guy in the back of the room. Brian used to work here, and then his girlfriend had a baby, so he missed a day, and he was fired. Because it doesn't matter if you have doctor's notes or baby pictures or whatever it is, there are no exceptions to this rule. And so Brian had to go back to the temporary staffing agency, go back through their application process, get hired by them clear a new drug test and go back through the training that he'd mostly, you know, already done. And now he's sitting in this group with us and the lady's like, welcome back, Brian. You know, everybody don't end up like Brian. So Max says when you finally make it to lunch, you finally pee. You just shovel food into your face while you watch your watch. And occasionally in between chewing. People talk. And everybody is asking each other, why are you here? Which is like, you know, in prison. And we actually we actually fact-checked this because I was like, do people in prison really always ask each other what they're in for? Right, or is that or just, is that just in we, movies? We, yeah. And we, we fact-checked it, and I, I asked this guy who'd been in federal prison, he was like, it's the only conversation people are having. Mac remembers the people at her table were like... I got laid off. I used to be an accountant. I used to be a store manager. I used to work in a restaurant. All over the place. Everybody was something else in another life. Max says on one of her last days, she came back from work. Yeah, I came home from work. I took a bath, trying to sort of soak out some of the soreness so that I would be prepared and ready to wake up again and and do it all over and make my numbers, which I, you know, was still failing to make. Mm -hmm. And I I was Skyping with one of my friends, and he was like, how's it going? And I was like, they fired this guy because he had a baby, and people are terrible, and... Yeah, I cried about it a little bit. I hadn't realized, really, how mean the system was. Not just that it was tiring, and not just that it hurt your body, but that it was it was mean at, in every way, at every turn, that it possibly could be. It kind of punched me in the face a little bit. Hello? 
hello, hello, hello. Not too long after I talked to Mac, I went home for the holidays, which just happens to be near one of the biggest Amazon warehouses on the East Coast. Just outside Allentown, Pennsylvania. And we should say again that Mac didn't necessarily work at an Amazon warehouse, but talking to her had gotten me curious. And this particular warehouse, this is a warehouse that in July of 2011 made some really big headlines. Because the temperatures inside the warehouse had gotten so hot that people had started to collapse from heat stroke. And rather than put in air conditioning or send people home, the warehouse instead just had local paramedics wait outside and car people away. And once the news broke, Amazon did install air conditioners, but I was curious to see if things had changed. And based on the people that I met, you work here? like before I got you kicked out, I'm a reporter. I'm just, it's uh, kind of hard to tell. About. What do you do, if you don't mind me asking? I'm a picker. You're a picker? This woman who I met in the parking lot told me that she'd been working as a picker for about a month. Can you describe what it what the work is like? Well, it's it's easy for a beat. Everybody has their own opinion, but I have lost a lot of weight. Um like I like it. You like it? Yeah, I like what I do. And when I went into the lobby of the building, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And then I met this guy um, who told me he was the warehouse he, DJ. You know, that during the holiday rush, the company would move him around to different departments, depending on like who needed motivation. Oh, yeah. Like you DJ. These people take care of their people here. Yeah. I did karaoke shows. We did dance contests. Wait, like at like while people were at work? Yeah, they're dancing yeah. in place. You know, I do the cupid shuffle or or do something crazy like the chicken dance. I'd be you know doing stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And I, I played everything from, uh, you know, Christmas songs to funk from the 70s to bachata and uh, Metallica, Bollywood music. Yeah. yeah, there were some old Indian women that were packing up boxes and stuff. And then, there were, you know, everything, Jamaican, reggaeton. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I mean, we did not have a DJ or a karaoke contest, which I would have won for the record. <laughs> I mean, I like karaoke more than almost anyone, but that's not going to fix the the main issue, which is that they're working these people like draft horses. Although th- that woman I talked to seemed to dig it. Well, not every I mean, not every person that I worked with hated it. I mean, there were a lot of people who made their numbers and they made their numbers every single day. And there were people who made over their numbers. And I don't even understand what was going on with that but they were very matter of fact about it or maybe That's i was fine. thinking this is a talent like like maybe uh <laughs> if you try to become a lacrosse player and you're just not very speedy and you don't like physical contact that that's not a great sport for you and you should play golf i mean i'm from the midwest you know i'm hardy work stock <laughs> i was a, i was a mover for years and years and years. So what I kind have... Of mover? Yeah, pianos? Whatever is in a person's house, yeah. Like okay. when you call people and they have to come to your house and put all your crap in boxes and then load all the boxes onto trucks and then move them to another place. That was my job for years. So Oh, so I you do... were carrying like gigantic couches on your back. <laughs> <laughs> I was. So, I mean, do you order off the internet now? I mean, after having done this, do you, have, you, have you sworn off of it? Um, you know, I actually was ordering, I ordered books from Powell's. Powell's in Portland? Yeah, Powell's in Portland, because that's where you're supposed to buy, you know, books off the internet to support an independent bookstore. So I actually, I was like, I don't know. So I called Powell's, and I was like, who handles your fulfillment? Is, do you guys do it in-house or, you know, contract it out? And they were like, we contract it out. No. Oh. I was like, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> she said, if you order something that says in stock, then it means that they actually have it handy in the store and then someone will go pull it off a shelf. But if it doesn't, then it comes from whatever wow. vortex, everything else <laughs> comes from. So um, I, try, I try not to order anything off the... I don't actually buy that much stuff. But certainly, I mean, no, I'm not like ordering my paper towels off the internet, if that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know who would do, do that. that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> In fairness to Powell's, uh, when we talked to them, they told us that 90% of their online orders are not outsourced, but filled in their own unionized warehouse. Thanks to producer Pat Walters and reporter Mac McClellan. This is Casey calling from Fort Myers Beach, Florida. Radio Lab is supported in part by the National Science Foundation and by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. More information about Sloan at www.sloan.org. Radio Lab is supported by the John Templeton Foundation funding research and catalyzing conversations that inspire people with awe and wonder. Learn about the researchers making the latest discoveries in the science of well-being, complexity, forgiveness, and free will at templeton.org slash podcast.